you can turn this around quick with prospects. My on-the-field persona is completely different than my off-the-field, man. Chris Sale was scared of me that one year, 2011. Nutrition is dangerous, man. Just have a burger. It's safe. Welcome. 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 Welcome to episode 14 of Digging In with JP and Sevia. I'm your host, Nick Ashbourne, and today on the show we have the one and only Marcus Stroman making an appearance. Yeah, number six in the six, Stro Daddy. Um, and today is an exciting day. The day we're recording this is an exciting day in Blue Jays land because we're going to see a double debut, two relatively highly thought of prospects at catcher Danny Jansen and on the mound, Sean Reed Foley. And I think this is an interesting it's interesting timing, especially with the whole Vladdy still being in the minor leagues thing. You bring up these guys. They're good prospects. They're exciting to watch. I'm excited to see them. How valuable do you think that kind of month and a half of time is going to be for these two? Because that's kind of what happened to you. You came up in 2010, and you had about this much time to get your feet wet. What did that do for you? Well, honestly, it's it's more about the opportunity to get the experience. Because I, I, I actually had a good conversation today with uh, – Mr. Jansen. And, um, you know, that was the one thing he, you know, he reached out to me, Hey, what do you got for me? What do you, what do you think? Um, which I, which I respect that he, that he values my, my, uh, opinion. But the biggest thing was, listen, this month and a half isn't going to make or break your career. Right. And I think as young players, we come up there and you want to put so much pressure on yourself to succeed and do all these great things. But at the end of the day, his rope is really long, right? So, for example, if he goes up there and let's say he hits 030 and he strikes out 90% of the times. I don't know if you remember one person that did that, uh, also known as Aaron Judge. Do you remember his first trial? Oh, he was brutal. Mike for, Trout was, yeah, was pretty bad these when guys, he came up first. Exactly. Dude. So these these guys' first trials, you know, it's like you have to understand, man, you can't buy into everything, right? So if, if a player knows that from the beginning, which is what I was trying to tell him, then – Maybe it'll allow him to go out there and just enjoy himself more, right? Because it's all about seeing that pitcher. Okay, how how can I see that pitcher so that next time I face him, I know what he has? How about that hitter that's in the box? Same thing for Reed Foley. It's it's like, okay, what does this look like in the big leagues? Get your feet wet. And yeah, of course you want to start off well. But that first month and a half, man, you just have to go out there and really soak it all in. Because again, where I told him, and this is the truth, is where it gets – the pressure and Harry is later on into your career, and all of a sudden now I'm trying to fight to prove that I'm still a major leaguer, or I'm in AAA trying to figure out how I can get back to the big leagues. Like when you come up, right? If you're a AAA guy later in your career and you come up, you might have one week to show what you can do, right? I mean, you've seen it. You know how it works in the big leagues. There's a lot of guys that with a different organization get their chance later in their career, and they know, hey, dude. I have to get going right out of the gate in this organization or I might be you know, designated here in the next week. That's not the case for these young guys. These guys have such a long rope because they're young so they can go out there and really just engage in the experience, learn about it, learn about the everyday life in the big leagues, how it works, what time do I get to the field, how do I prepare, because that's what's going to make them better for the future. It's Again, you can't buy into – a month and a half. And it's the opposite too, right? I'm I'm sure in history, how many guys have come up for a month and a half and just lit it up and you're like, oh my goodness, this guy is the next best thing since sliced bed or bread. And then all of a sudden he has a full season and he's not that good of a player, right? So it's kind of it's kind of the yin and yang kind of thing. You can you can get a good thing, you can get a bad thing. And and again for fans, they just have to go and out there and understand this month and a half is to get their feet wet. It doesn't mean that they're going to be an amazing player or a bad player. It just means that they're getting out there and getting their experience to prepare them for what's to come. Yeah, and as you said, the stakes are so low for both of these guys. Like, they can go out, they can do anything. The team's not going anywhere. They're going to get their run. And really, they're about going to spring training next year and competing for a spot. Like, that's what is really important in terms of these guys' careers. I'm sure emotionally and their experience right now is going to be really important to them and it's going to feel high stakes but what really matters for them is going to be spring training yeah, but, next but, year. Yeah, but but does it even really matter? Because think about it. Who's our who's our left fielder? 
Well, Teoscar Hernandez okay, right? right now. And so what happened? What happened? Did he make the team out of the camp? No. Nope. Okay. And he had an okay camp, right? He had yeah. A, I thought he had a pretty oh, good he camp. he hit the ball well. Yeah. So then that's why for even, even on that end of things, right? Like when you're young, the timetable is different, right? When the young, When you're young, the opportunity is big, but also in the sense of if you're not doing good, you still have an opportunity to go back down the AAA, get right, and then come back to the big leagues. That's what these guys have right now. They have the ability to go up. If they struggle, come back down. Next year, spring training, they don't make the team, start in AAA. All of a sudden, you're, you're in the big leagues, and you're rolling. Barucki, could have Barucki been in the, in the rotation from the gate? Yeah. Did he pitch well in spring training? Yeah. But the plan was to send them back down. So that's where, again, these guys, knowing that they're young, knowing that the team – is going is gonna go young, right? Is gonna rebuild a little bit. I don't like to say rebuild because I think that when you have good enough young players, we saw what it, what the Yankees retool have been able to do. is the yeah. PR word people like to use. Yeah. Retool. retool. The retooling. Thank you. Uh, the retool. I mean, these guys are really in a great spot. It's not like you're like you know we talk about this too. When if you're developing for the Boston Red Sox, sometimes a lot of times you're developing to get traded during the break so they can get somebody else. Now with the the Jays right now, you have an opportunity. You're a young guy. Go out there. Have fun. Let it fly. Don't put pressure on yourself because you don't need to do it right now. And that was my message uh, to Danny today was, hey, go out there. Have fun. Same game, right? Because when, when we get up to the big leagues, we think all of a sudden it's just like, oh, my goodness. This is like the biggest step in the world. No, the, the bases are still the same distance. The pitcher's mound is still the same distance. The only thing is the stadiums are a little bit better. And the post-game spread is much better. What do you think for these two guys debuting on Monday night? And by the time you guys hear this podcast, it will have already happened. Hopefully, you know, they both had a great experience and went well. But what do you think that that does for two guys like that? Especially, I think especially the pitcher, because he gets to throw to a guy he knows and they already have the relationship. But a catcher, too. If you're Danny Jansen, you come up on your debut and you're catching, you know, Stroman, who you've watched on TV for years as someone in that organization, I could see that being a little bit intimidating. No fault of anyone, just the way it is. How nice do you think it is for these two guys that they get to experience this moment together? Dude, you are spot on with that. Because when I made my debut, Brad Mills was the pitcher pitching that day. And for me, it was so much more of a comfort level because I knew that I had been playing with Brad Mills the entire year in AAA pretty much. So I, I wasn't worried about catching him because if you do go out there and you catch somebody you don't know, it's tough because now as a catcher, you want to make sure you're on the same page and you don't know what this guy ball, his ball does. Does it sink? Does his, when he makes a mistake, is it a cutter instead of a sinker? You have to know all those things. So I think it's huge and it's very smart on the Blue Jays' behalf to go, hey, you guys are going to make a debut together because you guys have both been playing with each other, right? That's a huge, huge for Sean and for Danny. That's going to be a huge advantage for them to have been working together the entire year and then now be able to come to the big leagues and work together. You know what this pitcher does. You also, the pitcher knows what the catcher does. They know their styles. And again, another thing that I that I told Danny was, hey, listen, you guys know each other. You get the scouting reports. You learn all these things. But when the game starts, you know this guy. You're in the big leagues because of your instincts. Trust your instincts. Just believe in yourself that you belong there. It's not just, oh my gosh, I'm here. I have to listen to what everybody says in the sense of the sky report. You may see something in the box that you may have to call differently. But again, he can do that because he's familiar with Sean Rifoli. If it was Marcus Stroman, he'd go, oh my gosh, I think I should throw... Uh, a sinker here but I know that they say I have to throw a slider here and I don't want to mess you know that those are like the little things that you battle so I think again phenomenal 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 for these guys that they're going to make their debut with each other because it's going to make things that much easier which obviously it's not going to be easy you're making your big league debut you're you've been dreaming about this since you were a kid um, but it's going to make it a lot more comfortable for them just asking you to do a little projecting into the future what do you think is going to happen with these two guys for the rest of the season because Solarte going on the DL opened up this opportunity for Jansen to play like this because now Martin can be an infielder, which is, as many times as you say it, still sounds weird to me. Like this guy who has been one of the iconic catchers of the last decade is now a utility infielder right now, but that's kind of that's what's happening. 
Reed Foley, there's pitching opportunities are there, and maybe it's a little bit easier. What do you think happens when a Solarte comes back to Jansen? Uh, well, it depends, right? It depends on where the team is because, I mean, Russell Martin's under contract, right? You know he's a great catcher, and you might have to try things out. I mean, look at Adam Jones. Adam Jones had to move over to right field because they had a, a Mullins, a young center fielder coming up, right? And that's because the, they're out of it. So sometimes you might have to kind of put it aside. Listen, Russell Martin's getting his money, and he's going to have to stick around regardless. Um, I think, honestly, you know, with Luke, he'll have to share a little bit more of the time. I think that's going to that's gonna affect maybe Luke's playing time a little bit. But I think Luke has had a phenomenal year to where they go, man, this guy, this is a guy we can really lean on, right? He, he's a good catcher. He, he controls the staff. He's, he's performed offensively. Um, so, again, I, I think it's going to put him in a, in a predicament. But, but think about it. September, first off, it's going to take a lot to come back from an oblique. I'll tell you that. Obliques are not easy. Second, September, think about it. It happens all the time. You got a full 40-man roster, you know, you can put a lot of guys out there. And so there's a lot of guys that don't get playing time in September that usually would get playing time because you've got to try other guys out. So I think if the Blue Jays are smart, you want to try to get them out, out as much as possible. I think what they'll do is probably, you know, run them out there for two, you know, Jansen for two, Maley for two. Uh, and again, I think Russell will play in the infield, which he, dude, he's made some really good plays. I've been it's pretty cool to watch a guy who's a catcher his entire career and go out there and make some good defensive plays like that. I mean, it's pretty, it's actually pretty talented and athletic to, for a catcher to do that. Um, but again, I think that's what you have to do. You, you have to, if you bring somebody up, right? We talked about this with Vladdy. If you bring somebody up, especially a young kid, it does no good to have them just sitting on the bench, right? It just really doesn't do anything for them. So you get them out there. And even when Solarte comes back, listen, Solarte's had a great year. Um, He'll get his at-bats, but I think Jansen has to get his bat. And when you have three catchers, Jansen can DH. You know, that's something that'll open up for him because it's like, well, when he doesn't catch, he'll still get his at-bats because there's three catchers. So if one goes down, the other one can go in. When you have two catchers and one goes down, if the other one's in the lineup, uh, what's the old saying? You're up the creek without a paddle. That's what happens. And then you'll have a pitcher hitting in the third inning if, if that happens. So, again, that's that's the good opportunity I think Jays fans, listen, they should be excited for this point. Think about it. We were talking before the show. We're both excited to see this debut. I mean, we want to see these guys. We're all excited now. Listen, it is what it is. I think you have to be excited to play spoilers, one. And two, to see all what the future holds. I mean, the Yankees proved it. You can turn this around quick with prospects, with good, good young players. This, they have a top five minor league system for a reason. So... Maybe the maybe the rebuild or retool or whatever you want to call it is quicker. Again, look at the Braves. The Braves are playing. I mean, everyone on the field is 20 years old. Um, so I'm excited to see what these guys can do. And obviously, they're very talented and they're they're up here not because it's just like oh let's let's rebuild it. They're up here because they are really good players. Yeah, and I you know this is going to come as a huge surprise, but I wrote kind of a grim column last week about kind of the experience of watching the Jays right now where. You know, the team's not winning, and we're also, at that point, because we that was during the Mike Housechild era, a very sh- a short era that <laughs> will, won't be remembered, I don't think. You know, no fault of him, a minor league grinder got a cool opportunity. But about how we they both weren't winning, and we also kind of weren't wasn't seeing the future either. And so because neither of those things were happening, it really wasn't fun to watch. Well, now one of those things, at least to some extent, is happening. So tonight, on Monday night, I guess, as we'll say, the, the time lapse can be odd. On Monday night, the Blue Jays are fun to watch, and that's that's cool because that hasn't been the case. Yeah, and again, and I think every time that Barucki gets on the mound, you should be even dialing it in to really want to see what this guy can do because he's continued to go out there and really, really be good. Again, that being said, if these goes, if these guys go out there, pitcher or hitter, and they go out there and they struggle, it's not the end of the world. You don't just sell the farm. Oh, that was a month and a half. I mean, think about it. Your entire your entire life you've been waiting for this opportunity. Some people handle it different than others. Again, look at Judge. When Judge got up here, it was like, oh, my gosh, I don't think he has any chance to hit because he struck out 90% of his at-bats and blah, 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 blah. Judge is one of the best. The Yankees were struggling without him in the lineup. I mean, this guy has become a cornerstone in their lineup. So I think 
You go out there and you just enjoy the growing pains. You enjoy the process with this organization. You know, hear all this stuff about the front office or that or this. Listen, you have to take the good in everything, right? And obviously this season is already a season where they're out of it. But now it goes, man, there's an opportunity to grow this thing. There's an opportunity to get some players that are going to be around here for the minimum on when they get called up six years before they can become free agents. They're going to have a lot of young guys. This could be a team that you continue to grow. You have Barucki, you have Pannon, or Pannoni, however you pronounce that, uh, um, in coming up. I mean, there's. I actually didn't help you because I wasn't 100%. So yeah. I'm laughing at you, but like, I, if I had been 100% confident, I would have jumped also in. Part of, also, part of the retool <laughs> is learning everybody's pronunciations yeah. and uh, continuing to, to watch these guys. But again, I'm excited. Um, I love, you know, watching these young guys come up and it's, and it's going to be something that especially now when Vlad comes up and at, at some point, you know, I mean, I, I hate that they have the Vlad watch. It's, it's in, it's insane, but I know it's part of it. But when these guys continue to come up, it's going to be a fun time to watch games for the, the fact that you can go, man, these are our thoroughbreds. These are our young racehorses that are, that can win us some big time races. Like, Let's see what they got. Let's see their. Let's see when they struggle. Let's see when they do well. Let's see how they act. And uh, again, I, I'm looking forward to it. Speaking of guys who are fun to watch, our guest today definitely falls into that bucket. It is the ace of the Blue Jays staff. Rough start to the year has really taken off since and has been good lately. Marcus Stroman. All right, so we're here with Marcus Stroman, uh, one of the more entertaining guys in baseball and one of the better guys in baseball, period. Uh, one of the people who I, I uh, talk to quite a bit. And, you know, thank you for coming on first off. And, and we're going to go right out of the gate. I, I just got done traveling, you know, pretty much around Canada. And I see sixes everywhere. I see uh, HDMH everywhere. And it's pretty cool. Uh, to see how much you've impacted, even in the States. I've seen it um, even with guys in the University of Tennessee baseball team. So it's obviously a movement, and it's pretty special to see. Talk about how much that means to you and, and what it means to you. Yeah. Um, I mean, height doesn't measure heart. Um, something that I've kind of started started saying at a young point in my career when I was in college, something that just kind of hit home for me and put me in a place uh, – where I knew what I was capable of as far as being doubted for being undersized and um, something that really truly grow, grew with me organically with my family. Um, ended up getting it trademarked when I was in my college career. And it kind of started to hit home with a lot of people, not only athletes, man, just anyone kind of being doubted in life. And it's kind of a message that's starting to spread and, and I'm loving it. In, uh, you, you obviously love kids and, I, and a lot of these kids are, are the ones wearing the stuff. Talk about what, for you, how important it is to give back to that generation. Obviously, your little brother is is an up-and-coming stud as well. How important is that for you? It's huge, man. It's huge. It's honestly, it's, it's my main goal in life is to do whatever I can to extend my reach, um, extend my influence, and inspire the youth. Um, I think the world's at a point where it needs positive role models, and that's kind of everything that I do. My work ethic is, is everything's put towards giving back and, and showing the younger wave of kids that anything is possible um, if, they, if they truly dedicate and, and put the time in. So I'm all for it, man. I have a few things that are going to be happening over the next few years as far as my foundation, as far as some events, um, and I, I can't wait, to be honest with you. Nice, and, and uh, you know, we've had some conversations, and this is one thing that I've, I've told you. If I had a little bit of, of more of what you have in me, I would have played the game a longer uh, time because I, I was a person who kind of tried to change to, to be able to be uh, somebody else or whoever somebody else wanted him to be. And I think we've had these conversations. Sometimes you, they, people are misread or however people want to throw it out there. But at the end of the day, you're competing for your livelihood. And for you to go out there and to be Marcus Stroman, the best Marcus Stroman, the person who continues to get better and better uh, every year out and the person who continues to challenge himself and, and grow, you have to do what's best for you. And I think in a time and in a, in a, this day and age, people are trying to you know, conform or everybody has something to say. Obviously, for you, it doesn't, doesn't go that way. And I, and I want to be able, one, to commend you, and two, I want to be able to say, can you give how it feels? Because we've had that conversation of the competition. Out of the lines, 
Marcus Stroman is is literally one of the best guys in the lines too. But when people get to know you, sometimes in the lines people get the wrong read, and it's like, hey, this is something that you have to do to be able to compete at Marcus Stroman's best. Talk about for me, or, or not to me, to to the people how what that means to you. Exactly, a hundred percent, man. And like you said, there's a there's a difference. My on the field persona is completely different than my off the field, man. And, and I still get that from guys in the league that that when they play against me, um, they're like, man, I hate that dude. You know what I mean? But then I'm going out to dinners with them and we're hanging out and they're like, man, that dude's the man. And they're hitting me up the next time they come into the city. You know what I mean? So it's definitely a, 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 a persona and it's definitely something, like you said, that I need to do to, to be my best out there. I've gone through, I've gone through kind of the wave of, of trying everything, man. And, and honestly, there was a point in my career where for a small stretch, um, I tried to kind of get away from being myself. And it was honestly the worst stretch that I've had, man. I, I feel like I've had a lot of people in my life, a lot of role models, whether it be my mom, my dad, um, whether it be CC Sebastian. I remember Adam Jones even sitting me down when I was a rookie in the league telling me, Stro, like, listen, this league will try to change you. You need to always remain yourself. So I've always had, I've had people always kind of in my ear um, telling me this message. And I didn't know why until I kind of got in it and I realized how, how everyone and how everything circulating around you is always trying to change you, who you are as a person. And my true thing right now is being able to stay true to myself, man. That, that's my biggest thing. I, I know that when I'm myself, I know how capable, what I'm capable of on and off the field. And regardless of outcome, regardless of success, I need to always remain true to my roots and who I am as a person. Marcus, you're a guy who's known for being really interactive with fans, whether it's Twitter and Instagram, kind of your own channels as opposed to maybe the traditional channels. Do you think a lot of athletes are going to be more that way as the generation comes along that's used to scrolling through Instagram and scrolling through Twitter as opposed to, you know, picking up a newspaper in the morning, for instance? Um, I think so, man. I think that's kind of the wave. I think it also has to do with the openness and willingness of the player as well though you know what i mean the player has to be open and has to be a little bit vulnerable in situations because no matter what um if you're active on social media you're going to be judged and it can kind of take you one or two ways um i think there's an extreme extremely positive force there be, behind social media the ability to connect with fans i i can't tell you man how many how many messages i've had how many exchanges i've had things that i kind of do behind the scenes that nobody knows um people reaching out to me um cancer patients, people going through mental struggles, people going through battles, and they're saying that I'm the source of inspiration and motivation for them. Um, so it, it's pretty special, man, to see just kind of the, the movement and how just being myself, how positive of, of a force that you can be in, in the world, in the community, in society. Um, and being an athlete, man, we have such a platform. You know what I mean? We have such a platform, and I think guys don't, don't understand that at points. And we have the ability to influence the, the, the minds of, of the young wave of culture. And, and that's so hard to do, but we can do it because we're in the limelight and we're essentially the young, the young kids' role models. So I'm just trying to do everything I can, man. I'm just trying to do my part to, to, try, to try and live my, my best life while inspiring everyone I can around me, man. I love it. And, and now, you know, that we obviously get into a little bit of baseball stuff, but a lot of times we don't want to talk a lot of baseball. So I want to ask you some questions Talk about food. I know you're a person who enjoys good food. Uh, I know you like a little bit of the the red vino. And and uh, so where are your spots? I don't want to blow up any of your spots, but spots that you can talk about in in, uh, in Toronto, kinds of food that you like, or if they're, you know, obviously I saw today you posted uh, about a bagel, um, good bagel spot. That's a huge thing. It's how we it's how we roll in, in sports is we, we uh, correlate cities with food. So give me your, what do you got? Well, I'll tell you a story real quick, bro. Crazy, JP, actually just coming from, I literally just came from this bagel spot. Literally just rolled up there. Um, nobody was in there, man. Like a small, like I'm always on Yelp. I'm always on Google. I'm always on Yelp. I'm always looking at the best spots to eat, regardless of what city I am. I love food. I, lo I love going out and enjoying the restaurants. So just, I wanted to go out to get breakfast. So I looked at the spot. has unbelievable reviews. It's called Mashaga Bagels. Um, go in there. Literally nobody in there. I sit down with me. And... I order a bagel. I'm sitting there. There's like a lady and a, and, a, and a boy working, probably around 16 years old. He has like a baseball hat that looks like it's from like a high school team. So I order a bagel. I sit down. I'm literally just eating my bagel with my coffee. And the kid from behind the counter goes, I'm sorry to ask this, man, but there's no way you play baseball, right? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, he's like, 
are you Marcus Stroman? I'm like, yeah, man, I am. He goes, no, like he lost it, JP, lost it. He came up to me, started talking about ACMH, how he's the biggest supporter of ACMH, how his high school coach was telling him that he needs to emulate um, how I am because he's undersized pitcher and crazy, 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 dog, just to see kind of this spread to a small little little pop-up uh, bagel shop in Kansas City, Missouri, just to kind of see the reach. So I just had to tell that story because it literally just happened. <laughs> well, that's dope. And then, and then the the – for spots, um, yeah, well, and and I want to know what bagel, what kind of bagel did you roll with, by the way? Oh, I'm a sesame guy, man. Sesame toaster usually is a little bit of butter. They had like a cinnamon sugar um, schmear there too. They had like all these different custom schmears, which is crazy. So, good spot, man. And then to to, um, I, I love Italian. Soto Soto is is my Italian spot to go to. Um, another spot, Dimmy. I spent a lot of time in Yorkville eating, man. Uh, I love the Hazleton, one restaurant. I'll be at STK, uh, Kazamoto Patios, always got good food if you want a little Asian fusion. Um, a spot just opened in Yorkville called Cabano's, lunch spot, probably the best sandwiches in all of Toronto as far as like burgers, chicken sandwiches, um, unbelievable spot. So I, I love it, man. There's a bunch of spots. I'm always, I'm always out in the city, man. I'm always out in the city walking around, eating everywhere, just just kind of vibing with the people. Marcus, you're known as a big music guy, and we were talking to Luke Maley a couple months ago. I don't know if this is still the case, but at the time, he was the cl- official clubhouse DJ, so I wanted to get your review on what Luke Maley was doing with the tracks. I'm a huge fan of Luke Maley. I'm going to be honest with you guys. Like, that's, that's my guy, man. He, he, he's an unbelievable dude. So if he wants to run anything, if he wants to run the music, he's got it, man. I, I'll give him free reign to kind of do anything. I ha- he has a lot of feel in most situations. Um, He's got he's got good kind of diversity when it comes to music. He can kind of keep the whole clubhouse going. Whereas I'm kind of I'm kind of one sided when it comes to music, man. I'm, I'm very 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 hip hop oriented. So sometimes me taking control is a little overwhelming for some of the other players who don't really mess with the the hip hop culture. What does it take to be a great clubhouse DJ? Diversity, man. Because think about think about the clubhouse. We're very diverse. You know what I mean? We have people obviously from all over America, Canada. Then you have a, a huge Latin base as well. So. Someone who can kind of keep everyone happy, man, which is which is extremely hard to do. You know what I mean? All right, last one. Stroh's pregame. What's what's in the in the tunes going on when you're when you're bumping around, walking around, getting ready to go? What what's uh, Strowman listening to before start? I'm I'm always listening to any new hip hop out, man. I, I just love hip hop. So obviously now you have like Travis Scott's new albums out, YG. Obviously, I'm still banging Drake's new album. My buddy Mike Studd out in, out in Cali, who I'm who I'm going to be collaborating with this offseason, which I'm excited for. Um, everyone, man, I, I'm a big fan of, of music, and I, I always give give it a, a listen, and I, I, I'm open to hearing any type of music. So I love music, man, but for games, it's definitely hip-hop, hip-hop and rap. All right, well, I thank you again for coming on. One of the best. Obviously, you guys understand why. I think he's one of the best humans around. So, Stro, thanks, man. Yeah, man, absolutely. Thank you for having me. So for today's memory lane, I thought maybe we'd go back. We might be going way back because I don't know the answer to this question. I was thinking about the Boston Red Sox today because I saw that they were on pace for 114 wins, which is almost the major league record. And if they go the way they're going literally right now, they will set that record. It's still probably less likely than likely, but the fact it's in play is pretty insane. So I just wanted to know what was the best team, and it could be any level. If it's, I don't know, if you were four, <laughs> maybe you're for that. Like, have you ever Jeez. been on one of those teams that is just roll, that's just dominant, that just expects to win every game? And I'm thinking, what does it feel like? Because, I mean, my athletic career, which I know that you don't like for us to discuss, and we won't discuss it here, but, uh, you know, didn't go very far and never played on one of those teams really in any context. I never had that experience. So I wanted to know if in your baseball past you had that that team that you were just – it was insane and you just rolled. How far can I time. go back? Uh, I mean, Where's you know, I'd off? like to see high school or four oh, if okay, possible. Okay. Right, but, right, like, right. you well, know, then if you were can... nine, then that would be – No, 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 I can answer. I can answer. So, honestly, um, my freshman year in college – we went to the College World Series, and our third baseman was Chase Headley. Pretty good big yeah, leaguer. Good player. 
Our Friday night guy was Luke Hochaver, first yeah. pick overall, <laughs> World Series, multiple World Series. <laughs> I was behind the plate. Our right fielder was Garth Orge's son. So Garth Orge, who played in the Blue Jays, Eli Orge is a son, was a first-round pick of the Houston Astros that year. Our closer was a second-round pick. Our pitcher after uh, Hochaver was a first-round pick. Our center fielder was Julio Borbon, who was a oh, first-round yeah. pick and played in the big leagues. Um, we had a really, really, really good team, and we knew that every single time that we went out there, there was a good chance that we were going to smash whoever was playing in front of us. And that's why we went to the College World Series. We didn't win the College World Series, but that was one team, and it was pretty special. And then when I signed the Toronto Blue Jays, we went. I went to short season, so Auburn, New York, so the Auburn double days. And we ended up winning that league. We won the league championship. And it was uh, Brad Mills was one of our starters. Louis Perez, who pitched in the bullpen here and was good, was one of our starters. Brad Emis, who played in the big leagues, was one of our players. Brett Cecil was on that team. Darren Mastrioni, big leaguer. Um, trying to think what other guys that we had on that team that were big leaguers. Uh, but it was unbelievable, right? Like, we had a, a lot of – because usually in the minor leagues, you might get two or three guys per team that play in the big leagues, especially at that level, right? Like, yeah. once you get to AAA, I would say, you know, 75% of the team is playing the big leagues or 50% at least. Or whatever. will in the yeah. future. In short season, it's like, you know, it's the you're as low you're almost as low as you can go. And so you expect maybe one or two or maybe three of those guys. But we had a lot of those guys. And man, it was it was really fun to go out there and we steamrolled through the playoffs and we won that that uh that championship. And that was the, my first taste of pro ball and it was pretty special. Um and then uh, also, I would say that the USA team, I played on the USA team one year. Uh, I also played in the World Baseball Classic, but we didn't win. We didn't. It was an amazing team, obviously, the World Baseball Classic. Um, the but, other teams were good too, though. Yeah, but in the USA team, in the collegiate USA team, so I'll go, I'll go by the third base, Pedro Alvarez. Yep. Shortstop, Zach Cozart. Second base, uh, Darwin Barney. And Jamayo Weeks. First baseman, Sean Doolittle. Okay. Oh, yeah. Outfielder Roger Kieschnick played in the big leagues. Julio Bourbon played in the big leagues. Todd Frazier was in our outfielder, was a, was a left fielder as well. And then our pitching staff was David Price, Tommy Hunter, Jake Arrieta. So, dude, this, this team was – everyone was a big leaguer, and it's, it was unbelievable. And we won the gold medal game uh, in the World Games in Cuba – like 17 to like five or something crazy. Like it was just, it was unfair. We knew every time that people literally had zero chance. So, I mean, those were, those were a few good teams that I played on, but honestly doing all this stuff that I've been doing with the Blue Jays, it's kind of what 92 and 93, when these guys talk about their teams, it's kind of what that re reminds me of is in the sense of dude, these guys knew that they were going to whoop everybody's ass consistently and that's pretty cool I, I would say i never got that opportunity in the big leagues but i would say that's got to have that's got to be a good feeling when you're in the the best league in the world and you just dominate it like the red Sox are doing i mean it's crazy to see what those guys do so a lot of the teams you mentioned there and this is not a criticism it's an observation are between you between the ages of sort of 18 to 21 right it's like college to early yeah. minor league 22 yeah. So when you – and I think this happens to a lot of guys because they have a lot of high school or college success. What happens when you've only played on teams that are crushing it, crushing it, and, like, then you play on your first team that's just, you know, awful and people are miserable or and it just, like, it, the whole team doesn't work? How, what kind of shock is that? Because I feel like that's a shock a lot of big leaguers eventually in their journey have to face. Yeah, well, you know, honestly, I faced it on my first year in AAA. So my first full season, I went high double A. And then my second full season of minor leagues, I started in AAA, and we were not good. And we had so many because when you get to when you get to high school and when you're in high school and college, you're everyone's playing to win, right? Like you you want to win. It's part of it. When you get to the minor leagues, it's more like I want to get three hits so that I can get, get my average up and, and get up to the next. Yeah. So that was a tough part for me. So you go from a 
team sport where in college you're just trying to win, you're you know, it's all for the boys kind of thing. And you get some minor leagues and it's very selfish. Well, in AAA, it's very selfish because in AAA it's like guys who are bitter that there's somebody in front of them in the big leagues that shouldn't have been there or whatever. Somebody who thinks that that they're being held down for whatever reason. Somebody who is old and on the way out of the game, so they're upset at the game. And it sucked. And when you're on a bad team like that and you come to the field every day and no one really cares and you're, you're not playing the win. I remember them staying. I stayed in the dugout after a game one time. And my manager at the time, Mac, Mike Basso, came and sat next to me, and he's like, "What? Well, what's going on, dude? Let's go. The game's over." And I'm like, "I hate this. I absolutely hate this. Like, I've never been around people that are so bitter. Everybody is like, if they go have a good game and we lose, they're happy. It, it just, I hated going to the field every day. And he's like, "Listen, you're gonna have to get over that because that's just this level, you know." Until you get to the big leagues, it's really not about winning anymore. It's about the, these guys are just trying to get theirs. And it was the worst. And then the big leagues, you know, you always have optimism to start the season. Unfortunately, I never got to play in a ton of winning teams. But once you get to that point where you know, like, it's the point of no return, you're kind of out of it, you've dug yourself such a deep hole, you know, you just have to go out there and you really have to go and think about there's kids in the stands. I play for an organization. I play for these fans. Obviously, I want to have a good career, and you have to go out there, and you just have to find ways to be motivated because we all want to win, and when we're losing, it sucks, and when we're losing, it's not fun. Like no one likes to lose. You imagine your entire life like going, you got, you're losing, you're, you're, you don't have a chance, you don't have a chance. Well, it's, it's like it's something that doesn't necessarily happen other careers, right? You don't go to the office, and I don't know. I feel like we use accountant every time. Sorry, accountants. Yeah. You don't go to the office, and you're just like, well, I took a loss today. You know, like no one's writing a big red L on your day. Like maybe you weren't very productive, but like in the next day, no one's like comes into your office. Like there's another L for you. Or or go or go like, hey, well, there's a. Uh, Two months left, but you're <laughs> SOL, so do you have to come in every day and just take it on it's the no freaking hope. chin? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> it's not going to go well, yeah. but like you got to keep showing up. So that's tough, man, and it's a battle. You come to the field every day, and you're like, okay, what are what are how can I prepare? What can I do? You know, sometimes uh, I had a, a, a guy who helped me out. His name was Ken Revisa, who just passed who passed away not too long ago. Um, and he used to say, hey, look at the ki- look at the crowd and look at the kids in the crowd. Like, look at the kids in the crowd. Really put it into perspective. See how, what they're doing. Look at them. Because then you're like, oh, my gosh. I'm, I have to be a role model for these kids. I got to go out there, and I'm going to be able to make sure I play hard. And this whole – he doesn't want to see me, you know, feel bad for myself. This kid's just excited to watch some major leaguers play. So how whatever it takes to get going. But you're right. I mean, again, you just imagine going to work every day going, well – I can do whatever. This doesn't do. matter. Yeah, I can do. I can go four for four and hit four home runs and do that for the rest of the season. It doesn't matter. And so that's a tough thing. You have to go out there and just continue to push. And again, one thing: be a spoiler when you play the the Red Sox. Try to make sure that they don't get that record. When you play the Yankees, try to make sure that they don't have the opportunity at the wild card. Like that's how you have to play, man. And that's, you know, unfortunately, that's how I had to play a lot of my career in the second half. I think also an interesting thing uh, to acknowledge here is that it's harder to be a catcher and be, quote unquote, play for yourself. You know what I mean? Like if you come to work as a first baseman, you're like, okay, I'm going to stand, I'm going to catch the balls that come my way, and then I'm going to try and smack a dinger. But if you're a catcher, you're involved on all levels of the game. So you want your teammates to be bought in. You want everyone to be working together because that is crucial to your position and your role. Dude, are you, I mean, I have the career of that pitcher in my hands. I mean, for the most part, right? Like, they can shake and do all that stuff, but we take a lot of pride in that. Like I, that one pitcher, he has one start every five days or however it may be. That's his day to shine, right? That's another thing, right? So I play back there every single day or whatever. This guy has one opportunity that day, and this is his day. You have to give him everything you have. And again... You're right. Second base, shortstop, those guys still have to play hard and they're they're tough positions. But you can take a pitch off or you can do this or that. And as a catcher, you constantly have to be locked in because it's like, hey, 
again, this is this guy to shine, and I want to give him everything I have because when a guy gave up a home run, he didn't, even though it's only on his ERA, he didn't, it wasn't the only one that I was upset about, that was upset about it. I was upset about it, right? Because then I'm going, man, could I have called something different? Could we have set him up different? That's the part of being a catcher. That's a tough part, right? You, you, that's why a lot of times when catchers are done with the year, it's like your brain is fried because you're constantly having to think. You always are having to be locked in to where when I played first, when Prince Fielder got hurt, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so relaxing out here. Like I can hit four times in a game. I can come out here. I just catch the ball when it's thrown to me in between pitches. I can kick dirt and look at the crowd and have conversations with the first base coach. I was like, wow, this is like paradise over here. But, you know, catchers, that's you can't. And you wear it. Again, we do not want our pitchers ever to do bad. And so when they do bad, we don't feel good. So for today's Outside the Nest looking at stories in the non-Blue Jays realm, which I guess we just did to an extent, this one's a little tricky because you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, make fun of a guy too much. But baseball has this history of like weird and embarrassing injuries, and so we had one come up on Sunday where Luke Weaver of the St. Louis Cardinals cut his finger on a piece of tin foil, and they couldn't close the cut in time, and so he missed his start. So that's like the latest one. You know, there's some classic ones: Trevor Bauer messing around with his drones. Anthony Rizzo's like waking up on the wrong side of bed and his you back fell. Cecil got one. In yeah, spring. I was gonna say. So was it was it like chopping vegetables no, or something? No, or, yeah, I think yeah, it was either it was, chopping vegetables or reaching into a blender or something uh, like that, and yeah. got blue is nutrition his is dangerous. Man, just have a burger; it's safe. Um, so I just wanted to know if you had ever heard one because I feel like some of these probably are even unreported. Like there's, I'm sure there's some ones that went on that like no one found out about. What's the weirdest? baseball injury that you can remember happening around you got i mean honestly the the weirdest one is i've seen guys like throw out their back sneezing <laughs> i mean and it or, and even even to the point where i've heard like of oblique strains with a guy sneezing because if, if you're you know how when you're sick you get some sometimes you get some massive sneeze sneezes unless it's just me but i know that i've had oh, yeah. times where i'm just like rock you holy smokes dude i almost how did my how did i not like cramp up there right and so that's kind of the the weirdest ones obviously guys in the off season i think end up getting a lot more injuries but what's funny is is they tear their acls but it's like oh i just slipped on uh on my driveway and it's like no you were playing basketball and you jacked it up or you were doing so i mean that's that's how it kind of happens um but yeah i think it's i think aluminum foil is pretty good i mean i goodness gracious like what kind of aluminum foil are you using this is like a razor the razor reynolds uh aluminum foil i can see aluminum foil pricking you like it kind of it's coming out in the wrong fold and there's a sharp and it pricks you but the idea of it like slicing you yeah. i don't really get i mean we'll take his word for it honestly with something like this I know he's being honest because, like, who would come up with that story? No, no, no doubt. It's, and like, too embarrassing. Well, I think you remember, I think it was Salvador Perez who, like, hurt his finger or broke his finger or something with, with luggage or – oh, no, he, that's when he hurt his uh, his ACL or something that – or his, his, before the season started. He did it something like trying to get luggage or something like that. It's like, dude, freaks happen, right? There, there's injuries that are freaky. If I sneeze and all of a sudden I blow my oblique out, it was just meant to be like there was something in the atmosphere that said, Hey, you're going to go down for a month because it, if that's the case, I mean, what can you, what do you, what do you do? You try to like, every time you sneeze, you're scared. You just close, you pinch your nose off because you're scared that if you, if you allow it out, you're going to get hurt. Right. Like, but again, I mean, I don't, I, I would say that I didn't get to see a ton of them that I remember Cecil, obviously with, I think it was, I want to say it was a blender that was pretty stupid because we all know that one blenders have sharp objects at the bottom of it. And we also know that all you have to do is untwist it at the bottom and just have it come out. So you don't have to worry about that stuff if you need to clean it. Um, it can be tough. To be fair, I did a couple months ago. I unscrewed the wrong end of it and I had a smoothie in there. It just fell like all over my kitchen. It was like a brain fart moment and it just fell all over my kitchen floor and it was horrible. 
It's incredibly hard yeah, to clean like a yeah, smooth. Yeah, but you didn't cut your. No, I didn't, exactly. I didn't hurt myself. I'm just saying, like you know, blenders can be more complicated than uh, they appear. You know what? One of the mo- the one of the craziest um, injuries, and that I've 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 seen people happen to somebody was foul tip, off the cup, ruptured testicle. See you later for a while. You imagine, that's that's. I mean, it's not a stupid injury, but it should be stupid, and it, sh- it should be illegal as somebody who was a catcher and has been hit with foul balls. But that's one that it's like, holy smokes, that's a tough injury to have. That it's not really. I mean, you. I mean, it's it's. What do you do, right? Yeah, it's you not can't like protect, you can do you can't protect yourself, right? Yeah. But it's like I'm wearing a cup. It's supposed to protect it, but yeah, that's a that's a tough one that I've seen. Um, and again, I don't wish that upon anybody. All right, I uh, I could talk about weird baseball injuries all day, just because I think it's it happens in to baseball players more somehow. I, I think it's partly because there are more injuries. Like say a football player, if he messes up his finger on a loomful, he tapes it up and he plays. Whereas baseball, you need oh, yeah. like. But anyway, then the blister stuff. I've got a JP Career trivia that's a little bit longer today, so I wanted to leave some time for. All it. right, let's do it. So, I'm not sure. I don't know where your memory is going to be on this. Basically, I mean, today we're going to talk about intentional walks. So you've been intentionally walked four times in your big league career, which is like one game for Barry Bonds, essentially. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you for <laughs> comparing me to Barry Bonds. I don't know. Jeez. Anyway. This guy uh, just got his number <laughs> retired. I, I barely got. I barely even got a number. All right. All right. So you, it happened four times. I'm wondering if you remember those times because I do like asking about kind of rare events in your career. I consider this to be one of them. Um, if you can give me either the pitcher who walked you or the person who's coming up next, I will give you a point. It happened four so, times. So either the pitcher or the person coming up next. Well, for sure one of them was in St. Louis and Ricky Romero or – oh, man, I think it was Ricky Romero that that uh, was coming up after me. Oh, sorry. Yeah. This now. Uh, Ricky Romero, I'm pretty sure, was one of the pitchers. I mean, most of the times, I'll, it, g- I'll give it to you. That one, that one is is correct. It happened in St. Louis. So this one yeah. was a bit fun. That's the second one that happened. It was in June of 2011. So second and third, one out with a pitcher coming up. That's classic. Yeah, and then you know he got a hit. Yeah, I was yeah. gonna say I don't know if you would remember that. Yeah, he got a hit yes, and knocked the run after that. Yeah, so. because he hit it right down the first base line, yeah. and it was funny because he literally didn't know where he hit it. He like swung and he just made contact and he was looking everywhere and I saw the ball go down the first baseline and so I thought it was pretty funny. Um he also pitched a shutout that day. Yeah he he dominated big day for yeah, Ricky Romero. Huge one Too for bad Ricky. we didn't talk about that when we had on the show yesterday. And then uh yesterday yeah yesterday yeah it's all whatever. Right. Uh, it seems like it all mushes in. And then oh man I imagine that they have to be mostly all American or uh national league. I would say that I remember getting walked in Toronto uh, at some point, I want to say that I got walked in Toronto at some point, and I don't remember. You're smiling, so I don't know if that's. A I, good well, thing. I did. I, I didn't actually put where they were. I just had the teams they're against. But I'll, I'm going to run through the scenarios with you. One of them was I want to pull it up again because I want to read you some of the people that were in the lineup that day because it was very 2011 Blue Jays, for whatever that's worth. But this so this was the season finale, September 28th. 2011 Blue Jays versus White Sox. A couple of things are interesting about this one. The first one is that it was Chris Sale who intentionally walked you, so you can always say Chris Sale intentionally out walked of the, me. Chris, Chris Sale out of the bullpen. So when he was very briefly oh. a relief pitcher, so you can always wow, say I that start Chris Sale was that. scared of you and oh he gave goodness. you the intentional walk. Gosh, that's awesome. So that scenario was um, with the second White Sox. and third one out. So again, classic. And Mark Tian was coming up. Oh yeah, unknown <laughs> Blue Jays, Kansas very, City Royal great. Yeah, Kansas City Royal great. Actually, had some good years, but just one of those players who you would never, ever possibly think of as a Blue Jay. But he was a Toronto Blue Jay, and that day, I'm gonna, I'm pulling up now. This is a, a podcast faux Gosh. pas, but I Dude, had I'm, it before, and I was I always close my tabs so there's no interference. Blah blah. blah. Anyway, so. That day before him, David Cooper was in the lineup. Oh, yeah. And after him, Dwayne Wise oh, was D-wise. in right field. Jose Molina pinch hit that day. Adam Lowen came to the plate after Mark Tian. So, wow. And Dude, Mike McCoy was leading off. I'm, wow, that's not a great lineup. Um, that's a tough lineup, actually. Uh, 
I actually am going to walk down the street with my chest a little bit more pumped up because yeah, Chris, Chris Sale freaking intentionally walked me. And that's, that's coming cool. out of the bullpen when he had max effort wow. stuff. You know I know. I, mean? I was pretty He was actually good. good at the bullpen, yeah, too. Yeah, I guess I was. I guess I must have been just – I must have really looked intimidating that day. All right. So we're going to give you the one for four. Yeah, I'll I, go one for okay, four. Okay. Yeah, so I'm then like, the, the first one was April 9th, 2011. So you're not a little-known player at this point. Uh, man on third, two outs. And they were looking to get to Travis Steider. It oh. was uh, Hisanori Takahashi was pitching. He's a Japanese lefty. Left-hander. And so they Red figured Sox? they with the Angels. They didn't oh, wanna, perfect. They didn't want to mess right with it. you. And they uh, they wanted to throw to Travis Snyder. And I think it worked out. I think they ended up striking him out or whatever. So that's another one you have on Snyder, as you can say, that they were scared of you and they pitched okay. to him and it worked. And then the final, the final one's not very interesting. It's a classic. It's man on second, two outs. Ricky Romero coming to the plate, and they just and he struck out after you too. So which an, which uh, Anibal Sanchez was pitching. So he, like, eh, it's like good pitcher, yeah. but it's not one to no. put in the history. Honestly, book. I'm just gonna tell everybody from here on out that I, you know, Chris Sale was scared of me that one year, 2011. Uh, he intentionally walked me. So yeah. I, I just want to, I'm gonna throw that out. Season there. finale, Chris Sale is like, oh, this is the last headache I need to yeah. finish the year. I gotta just yeah. get this guy which, to first. Which the funny part is, is he, if the coach was probably knowing what I was thinking, walking to the plate going, son of a beasting, I got to face this freaking crazy lefty throwing arms and elbows at me in 100 miles an hour. And then the catcher go, because usually what happens is you get to the plate as a ca- as a hitter and the catcher go, hey, dude, we're walking you, right? Yeah. And so literally I remember, or I don't remember, I would, I would, probably, I'm saying if, if the, the manager knew what I was saying or anyone knew what I was saying is probably... The conversation in my head went like this, like walking to the plate, like, ah, oh, I got to face Chris Sale. This is awesome. He throws a hundred with a slider that you can't see. Step in the box. Well, this is going to suck. Hey, JP, we're going to walk you. Thank you, God. <laughs> yes. And what I used to always tell catchers on the little that I got intentionally walked, I do remember this, especially I did it later in my career when I was back in AAA and then I'd get walked every once in a while. I'd go, on base percentage thank you boys because there's one thing i never did was walk so if you're giving me a free pass that is big for jp so thank you thanks chris sale all right that's it for episode 14 of digging with jp and cbia check us out on itunes or wherever you find your podcast i'm sure that we are there we appreciate you tuning in and hopefully you listen next week